God save the Queen, my son. Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening. Whenever you are choosing to listen to us, this is Queen's Speech, the podcast where dos maricones viejos discuss the impact of gender ideology on lesbians, gay men, and, when worlds collide, bisexuals. I'm here with Mr. Dennis Kavanagh. Say hello, Dennis. Hello, everyone. <clears throat> now, Dennis has got a severe dose of man flu, which, as we know, is a life-threatening condition. That's right. He should actually be in an intensive care bed, being <laughs> ventilated and turned every two hours, but no. He is soldiering on. Damn right. Yes. Now, last week, um, Dennis was off doing high-level turfing, and uh, <laughs> that's why we didn't do the podcast last week. But we're back now. Right. Um, can you give us a... I know you don't want to give too many details away, Dennis, but can you give us a general idea of what this involved? Sure. There's a, there's a number of meetings taking place um, at the moment, and they're, they're to do with the fact that there are two private members' bills, um, so not government business. There's one in the House of Lords and there's one in the House of Commons, and they're to do with this subject of, of conversion therapy. And, um, yeah, it was, it was just work connected to that and connected to trying to move the debate in on this subject on um particularly in view of the fact that a lot of people have looked at the scottish legislation and i think begun to realize that there are some serious dangers with very widely drafted legislation in this in this area so there's an awful lot of groups in this space at the moment doing a lot of good work on it so it's connected to that sort of stuff and I'll, I'll have more to say in due course we've got the house of lords debate coming up this week i think it's on the 9th of, of february that'll be uh, one to watch um because I, I think this is a subject that is you know suddenly getting quite a lot of attention in the lords which is good and then the commons debate is going to be on the first of march so two two dates for your diary there i'm not sure that either private members bill is going to make it into law because it's it's just such a difficult area here uh, particularly with the implications of clinical practice but it's very useful to have this exercise because it, it, it is moving the debate on it is allowing us to talk about the Tavistock or about parental rights um, or from point of view, the thing I'm interested in, the right to a fair trial, the question of, you know, is it fair to try someone for, quote, suppressing a gender identity in Scotland if they turn up to court and say, actually, I don't believe in gender identity. What, what do you do in that situation? So rather long answer to your question there, Clive, but and I feel like I've said a lot and nothing, but that's what I've been doing. <laughs> Well, that's government business for a lot of the time, isn't it? Well, I think. Quite, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> saying a lot and saying nothing at the same time. Um, it's very unlikely that private members' bill bills become law, isn't it? Yeah, but that's right. There's only a handful of them that have ever succeeded to make it onto the statute book. I think it's only one, Clive, in the last twenty years, and that was a very, very popular bill to do with autism. Funnily enough, I think okay. that's the correct figure. But the point is, is that these issues get discussed. Yeah, when exactly. when the um, when Parliament gets to debate these uh, private members' bills, so it's important to um, for for those of us of the 
uh, sex realist persuasion to mm. get in on those discussions at the ground. Yeah, because it's the absolute antidote to no debate, and it's so powerful. Uh, we've we saw that just a few months ago, didn't we? Neil Hanvey in Westminster Hall talks about transing the gay away. Secretary of State for Equalities, Kemi Badnock then quotes him. That seismically shifts the debate. Um, getting involved in these debates is really important. Mm, absolutely. Now, I think uh, we are recording on Saturday, and uh, the big story yesterday that dominated the news on the BBC, on ITV, on Sky News was the uh, naming and sentencing of the killers of Brianna J. We, Jai, sorry. We now know that they are Scarlett Jenkinson, who was formerly known as Girl X, and Eddie Ratcliffe, formerly known as Boy Y. And we had them both sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum term of 20 years in Eddie Ratcliffe's case, and a minimum term of 22 years in Scarlett Jenkinson's case, which means, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dennis, that they won't even be considered for parole until they're nearly in their 40s. That, that's right. You have to serve, it's called the tariff. You have to serve the tariff, so 20 and 22 years before you can make your first application for parole. But don't think that they're going to get out after 20 and 22 years. Um, first applications are always always doomed to fail. And when, when I was advising clients on this sort of thing, I'd say with life sentences, divide them in two and then add that to the total. I would have, say, in, in the case of Ratcliffe, I would have thought 30 years at least. Okay. Well, we are. there's lots of background information that's come out as well about the two uh, convicted killers and um, we're going to do another special on it aren't we as an update to the one that we did previously yeah yeah yes and you may see a bit more of this uh, kind of um, overlap between my two uh, fascinations if you like or as someone described it weird bitter obsession <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't me that described it that way, listeners, I promise. Yeah, my weird, bitter obsession with trans people. Yeah, okay. Uh, and my uh, preoccupation with um, true crime. You may see a few more of these kind of overlaps in Queen's Speech specials, as li uh, at least. Because <clears throat> we're not turning this into a true crime podcast. But there are cases that come up which which kind of uh, intersect with the kinds of things that we discuss on Queen's Speech, and this is one of them. So we will have more to say about the Brianna Jai case. Yeah. Can I just say, while you're mentioning this, that I very much um, enjoyed this week from my sickbed your um, series about, is it Chikatilo, the, the Russian um serial killers and i highly recommend if you're a fan of queen's speech and you like murder stuff clive's series about this russian serial killer is fascinating but by god you need a strong stomach for it it's pretty out there you certainly do and i've actually um cut a lot of the more gory details about some of the crimes to be honest because they are really depraved yeah. 
Um, and I know that for true crime fans, describing something as really depraved and disturbing is like, oh, I must listen to that. So, uh, yes, thank you, Dennis, for that plug. I have another channel on YouTube where I do um, true crime content. Hasn't got many subscribers. Would like a few more. Um, but, yes, uh, thank you for the plug, Dennis. Part four of Chikatilo coming out soon. Excellent. Yes. So, today, what are we going to talk about? Well... We're going to talk to acknowledge uh, Joe Phoenix's victory over Yay. Open University. Yay, indeed. We're going Great. to talk about the uh, CPS shenanigans over the sex by deception. Um, was it an amendment or was it a bill? It's a public, public consultation right. on prosecution policy. Okay. So Dennis is going to talk us through that. Um, and we're going to talk about events in Alberta, Canada, mm. which has yeah. caused a disturbance in the force amongst yeah. trans activist types um, because yeah. the uh, Premier of Canada has dared to poke her head above the parapet and be doubtful about the value of uh, pumping children full of experimental drugs. For some reason, that's a bad thing. What an unreasonable woman. <laughs> totally unreasonable. Yeah. Um, and we're going to mention, in passing, as an as and finally story, the Pride Column in London Bridge, which has seen people of various kinds losing their damn minds. And I'm not just talking about TRAs either. You're talking about me rolling my eyes at it. <laughs> I'm talking about people on our side, Mr. Dennis, unfortunately, um, and TRAs. So let's get into it. Now, first of all, Joe Phoenix. Joe Phoenix is an academic. She previously worked at the Open University. Her specialty is uh, criminology, and um, she is a highly respected professor of criminology. Uh, she was working for the OU. Yeah. And she wanted to set up a gender-critical network of academics. Now, uh, the expected response to this ensued with a huge pile-on, not only from TRA types outside the EU, but from her clinical colleagues, her, not clinical, her academic colleagues within o the OU, yeah. which, which uh, culminated in her resigning her post there and now she's working for Reading University as Professor of Criminology. So um, she took her employers to an employment tribunal, and she won the case. Could you maybe tell us uh, the bit more substance about that, Dennis? Sure. Um, this was a devastating win. Um, I've never seen a judgment like this. Like normally tribunals, if they think something's lying, a tribunal will normally say something like it was, a, you know, it was challenging to reconcile the witnesses oral evidence with the wider circumstances or something like that. But in this tribunal, very, very different. The judge just openly said, you know, I don't believe these people, they're lying. And these are, these, you know, heavyweight academics. It is an excoriating judgment, which finds not only was Joe subject to the most appalling 
bullying. I mean, it's just horrible what goes on in academia. There's, you've probably seen this public letter or her colleagues signed, like over 300 of them. Basically, you know, libeling her, calling her Satan and, you know, the, you know their normal thing. Mm -hmm. But the tribunal wasn't having any of it and said, you know, that was basically appalling, contributed to a hostile environment. And um, then when various academics came to give evidence, so one particularly horrible character in all of this compared little Joe Phoenix, who, sorry, I don't mean to sound disrespectful, Professor, but, you know, Professor Phoenix is a really very sweet, very bookish, very, you know, interesting, nice academic. But um, this colleague of hers compared her to a racist Uncle Tom at the sort of Christmas dinner table mm, um, mm. and then went on to say it make a series of remarks about that which the tribunal found less than truthful um this is it's a quite a long judgment the judgment in phoenix but it is no holds barred these guys get a pasting the tribunal didn't believe a word of what they said and the comparison with joe couldn't be more stark you know joe is described as dignified truthful and i do want to say if i may i don't know if people remember but but she went through a living hell. It was a brutal cross-examination she was subject to. There were a few moments where she, you know, became upset, had to go outside and compose herself. I don't blame her one bit for that. I think I would have, you know, I think I would have ended up throwing punches or something. Um, she was really, really, really put through the mill. Um, so to see her vindicated, and this judgment reads to me a little bit like the judgment in Alison Bailey's case where Garden Court Chambers went down horribly and not only went down, Alison then went on to secure aggravated damages. And reading this, this judgment reads to me like an aggravated damages judgment. I think that if Professor Phoenix applies for them, there's a very good chance she will get them. And just to explain that, aggravated damages are wholly exceptional in the employment tribunal, and they are reserved for cases where the judge thinks not just that someone's been constructively dismissed or, or, or there's been a breach of their Equality Act rights or something like that, but it's got to be more than that. You have got to find that the conduct of the other side is like egregiously bad. And I, I think there's a very good case for that here. I don't know if Professor Phoenix is applying for them. I think any, I mean, she's got Ben Cooper QC, I think, and, oh, sorry, Casey, and um, Lee Day solicitors. And I'm sure, you know, they'll have the matter well in hand. I think this could easily be aggravated damages. And as you were saying before we recorded, Clive, this, this case makes plain as a pike staff, although th this matter should have been clear from Falstata, that you have every right um not only to hold gender critical beliefs but to manifest them you're allowed to so this silly argument from the other side their don't ask don't tell approach to Fostata, because afterwards i think robin moira white and people like that were saying oh with Fostata, it says that you can think it but you can't say it which wouldn't be much of a right now would it you know? no no <laughs> how would anyone ever know if you were thinking it if you didn't say it i mean it's just you know it was always a bit bonkers but but this judgment just puts that beyond any any doubt and it's interesting because i don't know if you saw clive but some twitter silks like sally bloody hines and various other 
intellects. Aidan Comerford said something like, I don't know if you caught this, he said, oh, they're lawyers are rubbish. They would have won this if they played videos of Magdalene Byrne. <laughs> <laughs> he is he actually said that. No, I, not that he's upset. No, he's not obsessed, Clive. He just mentions her every second day. He so, is obsessed with Magdalene Burns, and he brings her up at every opportunity. It's like, it's Aiden, darling, she's dead. All right? Yeah. Leave her alone, for heaven's sake. I just love the fact that she achieves so much more in death than he ever will in his life. I mean, you know. well, this this much is true. Allegedly, a comedian, but about as funny as a lung, an yeah. iron lung. <laughs> yeah. So his legal tip was: you should have played the Magdalene Burns video. And then Sally Hines's legal tip was: you should have you should have explained this sociologically and philosophically. It's like you've clearly never done a tribunal, mate, because I can tell you that evidence would not be admissible. They're not going to let you get in the box and just talk about you know philosophy. Um, but yes, much I suspect to the the chagrin of such Twitter silks, the OU very wisely, in my view, have basically said, "Oh, we're not going to appeal this. We got quite a kicking." So, yet another first instance um, decision, completely following Forstata, and it's it's worth saying, you know, these guys haven't won one of these tribunals, not one. No, they haven't. They haven't. The lo the losses keep coming for that side. I I have two yeah. points. First of all, Ben Cooper is kind of hot, right? I would agree with that. Yeah. Just for our homosexual male listeners, and and the straight women. I think and, he's quite popular with straight women as well. Okay. Um. And yeah. also, second point is the is to talk about is to just point out some of the things that the judge said in uh, the um well, judgment. Um, th there was some uh, non-binary professor or something who said that she had to compose herself because she was crying about a talk <sighs> that Joe Phoenix gave. And uh, I, th I think the judge said in the judgment, I've looked at the transcript of this speech and I can't find anything that would distress someone that much. Yeah. And then the other yeah, thing... The judge wasn't messing around. And no. th there's a detail on that, Clive, that the person you're describing was in charge of, like, resilience and resilience training. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> and there was, um, there was another part where he said, um, these people being senior academics, I'd expect them to be used to finding and evaluating evidence and presenting an argument. Um, yeah but I've seen no evidence of that in their submissions to this tribunal. It really was a massive, massive slap round the face for the people who'd been bullying Joe Phoenix. And good, good. Yeah, damn right. Well, damn well. Right. Do you remember when we saw Joe Phoenix at LGB Alliance Conference, Clive? I do. Yeah. I do. I was surprised that she was American. I had never heard her speak before. And for some reason... Well, she was, she was born in this country, but raised in Texas, then came back here. Well, for some reason, I always thought she'd have a northern accent. I don't know why. I don't know why. Mm. She, she's not... She doesn't wear anything that, you know... <laughs> she's not wearing a flat cap and carrying a black pudding. <laughs> I, I really thought she would have a northern accent. Often seen with her whippet. <laughs> And with their clogs on, <laughs> walking down the road to pit. Um, yes. Okay. 
Oh, I'll be called up. I, I, I'm going to be accused of northern phobia now, aren't I? I'm afraid so. Oh, but that, I identify as northern, you see, Dennis. I've always liked the paintings of L.S. Lowry, and I enjoy Last of the Summer Wine. Evidence. There you oh, go. There you go. I'm a southerner go. born in. I'm a, a, South, a northerner born in a southerner's body. You're there trans you northern. Trans northern. Absolutely. Established. <laughs> um, well done, Joe. Good luck to Great. you in your future career. This is going to be important for others coming after. Yeah. Uh, now, we were talking earlier about how you have been trying to uh, influence uh, fairly senior level people in government um, with regards to things like uh, the private bills that are being discussed in the Commons and in the Lords. Um, one thing that happened was it came to light that the uh, Crown Prosecution Service had a consultation with regards to sex by deception. Yeah. And uh, they said they consulted with a broad range of people, but they were rather loath to let people know who exactly it was that they consulted with. Is that right, Dennis? That is correct, I'm afraid to say, Clive. The Crown Prosecution Service, a service designed to serve the public, were not very keen on telling the public who they'd had secret meetings with prior to their consultation. Huh. Unbelievable, mm. hey? Mm. And it took months uh, for yeah. a Freedom of Information request to unearth this uh, list of consultees. Who was on that list, Dennis? Well... Can I start by paying tribute to Jill from Twitter, who is tenacious as hell, and she just hasn't let this go. Um, it'll shock you to learn that after the best part of a year, Clive, of a back and forth, right, with CPS coming up with all sorts of hokey excuses for why they couldn't possibly tell us who they'd been meeting with, and then the information commissioner having to intervene and order them to disclose it, then they said they were going to appeal the information commissioner's ruling. Then at the 11th hour, they just sent Jill this, you know, not very impressive one-line email saying, oh, we're no longer appealing. No no rationale, no reasoning given for that, no explanation for why they put her through the ringer for a year trying to get them to be transparent. And surprise, surprise, it's it's exactly who you would expect. The CPS conducted secret meetings with Stonewall and with mermaids, quite remarkably. Mermaids are a child sex change charity that sends out breast binders to kids behind their parents' backs. Um, and if I, every, I don't need to say any more about mermaids, do I? Everyone knows what they're like. Now, no. when the CPS met mermaids, in fairness, they were not under the investigation because the meetings were in 2020 and the investigation was after that point. But it's not like there weren't any safeguarding concerns. Also, what does a child sex change charity know about rape policy? And perhaps I should just say something about this consultation. This consultation was directed to the very rare, unusual sort of rape and sexual offences cases you get of so-called sex by deception. This is where someone conceals their true biological sex from the victim. And if you do that, our law says a victim can't consent in those circumstances. The law says you have to know the sex of the person in order for your consent to fit 
within the Act of Parliament that defines that. And the cases we have on this, quite unusual cases, they're normally very, very, very sexually naive girls as the victim, and normally um, pretty, pretty disturbed girls as the defendants um, who are pretending to be men. Now, that is, that's just the cases we tend to have, and that might tell you about what gets prosecuted, perhaps. But you could have it going the other way, couldn't you? You could have um, a bloke pretending to be a, a woman. We've also had cases, and, and you'll know about this, Clive, um, where I've drawn attention to it in the past. There was an outfit called Clinic Q, which is one of these uh, yes, you know, yes. rainbow things, where they were advising so-called trans men, so that's women um, who are taking synthetic testosterone, to go to gay saunas and to hide the private parts so that the gay men in the saunas would be, well, what? how do I put this, uh, misled, tricked, wouldn't know, I don't know, uh, uh, deceived, I think is the word, isn't it? They would be deceived mm. into thinking mm. that they were men. Um, so mm. that is a pretty grotesque scheme of sexually assaulting gay men, in my view. So it's quite it's quite serious, this area. And it's a question about what gets prosecuted, what doesn't get prosecuted. And, and we got this consultation. And the consultation basically said, don't prosecute anyone because everyone has a gender identity and that gets assigned at birth. And, you know, da, da, da. I mean, it was just okay, nonsense. Yeah. It was like Stonewall and Mermaids could have written this consultation. It was absolutely in their language. And I don't think the CPS were ready for what happened next because all of us... I think unsurprisingly got a bit angry about this because we said you are basically subverting the will of the Court of Appeal. The Court of Appeal in a case called McNally said this is really serious and this, this does constitute sexual offending. You can't go around deceiving people like this. It's just not It's not right. It's not healthy. And it's a criminal offence. It is a grotesque breach of the right of another person. Um and, the, and then the consultation just sort of died. I don't think the CPS were ready for us all to kick up such a fuss about it. Now, fast forward to where we are today. We now have a new director of public prosecutions. This consultation took place under the old director, Max Hill Casey. We have a new director. So and it must have been the decision of the new director not to fight this freedom of information request. And that must be why Jill finally has this information. But it's pretty shocking, isn't it? Stonewall and Mermaids deciding rape prosecution policy. What do you think of that, Clive? Well, as I understand it, they were trying to seek a carve-out for trans people. Um, yeah, basically. <clears throat> And Stonewall have been after this for ages and ages. Yeah. Uh, so they kind of partisan to bring them in yeah. uh, to consult on this. And it seems to me that this is allegedly a LGBT uh, charity when yeah. they are actively uh, campaigning against the rights of uh, LGB people. Yeah, well, Stonewall wouldn't have much to say to that Clinic Q example, would they? They would, they would say that that was all right. Yes, um, they probably would. And yeah. and like you say, it's an invasion. It's, yeah. a, it's an assault. If you think you are having sex with person A and that they are a man, and then it turns out that person A is uh, a woman masquerading as a man, that has been prosecuted in the past, as you said. Yeah. So why is it that Stonewall, supposedly the country's leading LGBT charity, is uh, campaigning for sex by deception? It's a bit baffles me they're such bad advocates for their own side like 
is it is it really what trans people want to be known as the people who get a free pass on sex by deception is this really a healthy thing to encourage because i do wish stonewall would take a look in the real world sometimes right people do care about the sex of their partner right they do get a bit bothered if they find out they've been lied to right that yes. isn't something most humans enjoy most of us do not regard well the vast majority almost all of us i would say do not regard genitals as interchangeable stonewall does but most of us don't think like that this is a terrible advert for the constituency they claim to be championing and it's a terrible thing to encourage this isn't a healthy thing to encourage people to do people should be able to i mean heaven forbid that someone is open honest and relaxed and you know people are coming all weird and wonderful shapes heaven forbid someone was open and honest about having a trans history and the other person is bisexual and says that's okay you know it's mm -hmm. it's just ridiculous this idea that you encourage people to commit what is a serious criminal offense it, it reminds me funnily enough clive i saw a very perceptive analysis from the other side this i, I presume it was a, a you know trans identifying male trans woman whatever you want to call them who wrote it but they were criticizing nancy kelly on on a blog because nancy kelly sorry sexual racist nancy kelly was um doing one of her you know oh everyone's become more hateful it's not that i'm a terrible political leader everyone just decided to be hateful that's the answer it's not it's like that principal skinner thing in um the simpsons you know it's not me that's out of touch it's the kids and um yeah this this trans commentator said look you you have really screwed this up um the other side can point to thousands of rape and death threats often sent to lesbians there are these thugs that turn up to let women speak in balaclavas everything you do it makes us look terrible and i i, I thought obviously i don't agree with the, the the thing then went on to say oh i don't think there's a conflict between trans rights and women's rights which i don't agree with but i thought the analysis was impeccable i thought the analysis mm. of the political skill of stonewall was impeccable and and here we are again you know stonewall the pro sex by deception group with their friends mermaids uh, and what earth of the cps think they're doing meeting with mermaids yes i, I, I can't see what they've got to add yeah. at all i mean this doesn't just cover trans people though does it i mean yeah. wasn't there a case where some undercover police officers were trying to infiltrate uh animal rights groups and eco groups and what have you yeah. um and they posed as fellow travelers along that political path to the point where they ended up having sexual relationships with some of the women involved yeah. in those groups some of those women went on to bear children to yeah. these men and uh, when that came out of course it was people were genuinely horrified that the police had acted in this way yeah. and that would be another case of sex by deception i would have thought well interestingly it was found by the high court not to be the the law in this area is complex and it is tricky and it's not always satisfactory because Basically, what the Court of Appeal, Criminal Division, and the High Court say is that in order to vitiate, which is the word they use, or which just means cancel, in order to cancel consent, the deception has to be related to the nature and the quality of the act itself. And we get 
a quite an unsatisfactory stream of case law where some things go one side of the line and some things go the other side of the line. So in Assange, we, we have authority for the proposition that if you say you're wearing a condom, but you are not, um, then that, is, that goes the wrong side of the line. That is rape. We, we had a recent case, well, not that recent. We had a case about five years ago where the court found that a chap who uh, deceitfully told his wife that he'd had a vasectomy uh, and, and he had not, and she then became pregnant uh, after the act, uh, the court said that that felt the wrong side of the line. Um, and that was a deception that vitiated her consent. But it is not always easy to reconcile the cases that go the wrong side of the line and the right side of the line. The classic example would be a case in which um, someone says, I, I am not HIV positive, and then goes on mm -hmm. to have consent. Now, the, the courts have found again and again and again that that is not a case of sex by deception because it is not... Um, sufficiently close to the nature and course of the act. I'm I'm putting that a little crudely, if I'm honest, because the court didn't completely shut the door on that. They said there might be some circumstances where it vitiates consent. Like if somebody said, I will absolutely only 100% sleep with you if you vow that you are not HIV positive and, and that sort of thing. But you can see, can't you, that it's, it, it, it's a difficult area of law, this. And when you draw lines in law like this, you, you get stuff either side of the line where it's not always easy to reconcile why one thing is in one place and one thing is in mm. another. So the case of these police officers would be a, a grey area in terms I'm of... Afraid, I'm afraid the court found that, that it didn't relate to the nature and quality of the act. So the, it wasn't a deception um, about the type of sex or the nature of the sex that was happening for those undercover police officers. The deception was, was in a way, I think, much more serious. It was about who they bloody were. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. But but that's how it was justified in law. Uh, I have to say it, it it is a judgment in criminal law that a lot of us found, um, well, I'll put it this way, we weren't expecting it. But when you have Stonewall and others campaigning for even more blurred lines in an area of law where the lines are already very blurry, that's yeah. just going to confuse everybody even further, I would have thought. I think so. Mm. I think so. And so it's, it's you know, it's actually, say, what sort of message are you bloody sending out here? Well, it's contrary to the rights of, uh, to bodily autonomy, if you like, of lesbians, gay men and women and men generally. Yeah, and I do think it particularly hits um, lesbians and gay men because this this activist group... Um, conducts workshops on things they call the cotton ceiling, right? So they are yeah. interested. I, you know, that is, uh, I, th I wondered if it would be too crude for me to say now, you know, they're really interested in getting into lesbians' knickers. But given they call their workshops the overcoming the cotton ceiling, I don't think it is too crude. I think, I think they're pretty clear about that. And, you know, when you combine that and things like the Clinic Q example, it's, you know, they're not trying this on with straight men, I notice right they're no. trying it on with lesbians and gay men that's what they're doing surprise surprise things have been very interesting elsewhere in the world haven't they dennis because we have uh the um province of alberta in canada turning yeah. full gender critical when it comes to uh so-called gender affirming care for minors they've severely restricted the use of puberty blockers 
And um, yep. they've also said that transition in schools can't happen without parental consent. Um, yep. And uh, this has caused a massive uh, disturbance in the force, again, uh, with trans activists, hasn't it? Uh, all sorts of yeah. accusations being thrown at the Premier of Alberta, who's led on this. Uh, do you know Didn't a bit it? more detail than me, Dennis, or is that the outline? I, yeah, I can, I can help you with reference to, um, you know, you know um, Canada's preeminent lesbian, um, Eva Karilova. Um, she's yeah. written in The Distance uh, mag. So if you want that, it's www, the, three words, but all, all, all one word together, thedistancemag.com, 2nd of February 2024 article. So... The, it's the it's the premier of Alberta, Danielle Smith, who sort of dropped a bomb on the gender debate in an eight minute video. And the policies are as follows: so called top and bottom surgeries. So you know that's what um, radical double mastectomies and castration. Let's call a spade a spade, shall we, members of the jury? They'll be banned for anyone under eighteen. Puberty blockers and hormones will now be banned for anyone under sixteen. Minors aged 16 and 17 will only be allowed to take puberty blockers and hormones with parental, physician, and psychologist approval. Minors under 16 will require parental notification and approval for pronoun and name changes at school. Minors aged 16 and 17 do not need parental consent, but the parents will be notified. Classroom instruction on gender identity, sexual orientation, and human sexuality will require parental notification and an opt-in. Well done, Premier Smith. Mm. Third-party resources materials related to these subjects will also require Ministry of Education approval. Well done. Oh, well, God, why can't we have this here? This is brilliant. Mm. Um, and then the government will work with sporting organisations in the province to ensure that women and girls can complete in free, protected female-only divisions, or women's sport, as we used to call it. Oh, mm -hmm. bloody hell. So, yeah, that is a bit of an Exocet missile just suddenly landed on trans mm. activists out of nowhere this mm. week uh, horror a horrifying list of terrible terrible transphobic legislation by the sounds right. of it or at least that's how the tras have, have uh, characterized it some um pudding-faced uh, journalist in inverted yeah. commas was uh, of course comparing it to genocide Isn't yeah i loved that, that one yeah isn't that lovely? Isn't that lovely? Was this Lise Gottel, a professor at the University of Alberta, who posted, breaking from now on, members of Alberta's, I mean, these people are so ludicrous, hashtag LGBTQ2S community are required to wear pink triangles sewn over their shirts. We're only doing this because we really love you, insists Premier Danny. I and mean, these people are just ludicrous. It's that really, really grinds my gears, to say the least. It's like you are co-opting a history that is owned only by gay men. Yep. Because it was only gay men who were required to wear the pink triangle in concentration camps. It is only gay men who were rounded up in their thousands to be yep. put in concentration camps. Some of them worked to death while they were there. Yeah. You are co-opting that entire history to claim that what are a reasonable set of proposals are the, yeah. are the uh, characteristics of a Nazi state. It's disgusting. It really is. And 
you know, to do it generally is horrible, but to do it uh, as a, against a set of policies which are designed to stop these ghouls transing away the gay, it's just ins it's insult upon insult upon insult. We're talking um, we're talking about children and young people here. Exactly. Exactly. You know, this this uh, should not be a left right issue. No, it shouldn't. It this shouldn't. is about the best care for children who are distressed. And yeah. if we could get away from this idea that being transgender is some kind of natural state that evolves from having a wrong brain and went back to considering it as it properly should be a psychological uh, disorder, this kind of rhetoric would be seen to be as bonkers as it is. It's just unhinged. And, you know, we didn't have gender dysphoria 20 years ago. I wish the other side would be honest. They have confected and created this problem. They have visited it on children. They have given children this problem. This is like promoting anorexia to children. So not only have they given them a problem they themselves never faced, um, they're then screaming and shouting like this because they're no longer allowed to mutilate kids, which up until five minutes ago, they assured us wasn't happening. Do remember, we were told there's no surgery on minors. Da, da, da. Funny, isn't it? That when Premier Smith bans it, suddenly there is surgery on minors. It's mm. almost as if we've been lied to, one might think, by a, bu a bunch of... I mean, these people are nuts. I don't know if you've read some of the reactions you know it's it's an infringement on our human rights i'm absolutely heartbroken um post the mayor of calgary in alberta in a tirade the premier is deeply disturbed hey, these people are just they're not serious people no, and no. and and they're not serving their uh trans constituents well to characterize this as an attack on the uh, rights of all trans people. This is about determining what is the best course of action for a child who presents with gender distress. And yeah. there is plenty of evidence out there. If you are, if you are uh, campaigning on this issue, you should acquaint yourself with the evidence from the rest of the world that is showing that so-called gender-affirming care either has no benefits to the mental health of these children or actively causes psychological and physical harm. That yeah, should be a baseline for your argument. Yeah, you're experimenting on kids and performing amputations. That's what that's what you're doing. And this um, this reticence to look at any any facts that might contradict your position. Um, Arty Morty is really interesting on that because he compares that to a doctrine they have in Scientology. I forget it has a name. I forget what it is, but basically, you're not allowed to read anything that is critical of Scientology because it it's it's um, viewed as corrupting you, as it were. And and, mm -hmm. and we see precisely the same cult like thinking here, don't we? This this lot yes. are resistant to facts. They they don't like facts. Or they dispute the facts uh, on grounds of like ad hominems against the person who has yeah. presented these facts or bad intentions on the part of people who, for instance, have reviewed the use of puberty blockers and found it wanting. Um, yeah. 
because they seem to have nothing else. I, I don't know about you, Dennis, but whenever I interact with uh, TRA types on uh, Twitter, once I start maybe outlining some of the facts, the response is always, you're fat, you're old, you yeah, 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 like, yeah. You yeah. look like an egg. I'm not going to listen to you, boomer. All that sort of stuff. It's and, yeah. and I understand that some of these are just, uh, you know, uh, uh, unhappy, confused, uh, not very intelligent uh, teenagers, but people who right. who should know better carry on like this, as if this is the killer argument. Yeah, I mean, some people are just really thick and really really unpleasant which is which is fine you know you, you're going to get that in any society i just don't want them anywhere near serious policy or serious decisions and the way they wade around pediatrics um with these silly ad hominems i mean I, I just don't bother engaging them clive i can't see the point um, no you're not going to convince them no know? no it's uh, almost in most cases an instant block yeah Unless they make an accusation against me that's really deeply unpleasant. Yeah, even then, I think rising to it, they like that. I mean, I only ever engage them if I if I think that the people watching the debate will get something out of it, and those yes. are, it's very rare that I even bother doing that because look, they're not sending their best. I mean, we we spoke about this a while back with you know Sally Hines, Aidan Comerford legal advice um you don't you know you, you 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 don't tend to have a functioning debate with them what what you what you get is a bunch of lies like you know these surgeries mm -hmm. aren't happening um and and then you just get silly parasitic arguments like this is just like gay rights yes you... that's right is it because in the 80s we were mad for castrating kids mm. like, you know, well, exactly. It's you know you can you can see the progress of the argument. First of all, this isn't happening. Then it's yeah. oh, this is happening, but it's good. And yeah, then yeah, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is happening, and you're a transphobe for 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 daring to stand against it. And then you're fat. You look like an egg. You're old. Fuck off, boomer, etc. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, less. Uh, I get, I get, you, I get. You're old. I'm still waiting for them to say your hair looks a bit like Amanda Jetty Knox's, which, <laughs> which when I don't have it cut, I have to say I am worried about that because every now and then she posts one of her ludicrous videos, and I think, bloody hell, we've got the same hair as that woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think she's actually morphing into Keir Starmer. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Dennis, put put them side by side. Put them side by side, and it really is spot the difference. You bitch. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what, though? Next time, I'm going to steal your joke. Next time she posts, I'm going to do a side by side. That's hilarious. Yes. Thank you for your input, Sakia. <laughs> Actually, while we're talking about insecurities, can I, can I, sorry, just this is slightly irrelevant, but can I just mention. Um, there's a thing we we're talking about before we recorded it, which is there's a fascinating thing about having whether or not there is such a thing as a gay voice, and can you know because some, with some people you can tell that they're gay. Men, well, actually, only men. I don't think there's such a thing as a lesbian voice, and um, and you could just tell. You know, it, it's not always right. So, some straight guys have have sort of campy gay gay voices, but some some don't. 
And um, there was quite interesting discussion uh, about this and what could it be in the voice pattern that's that actually, what, you know, what is a gay voice? What do we mean when we say that? And I thought, oh, I'll just give this a try on Twitter. So I, so I just sort of speculatively asked a, a chap, straight guy I was talking to, oh, do you think I have a gay voice? And I was rather hoping he'd come back and say, no, you, you have a very low, butch, manly voice. Instantly, he just said, you've got a really gay voice, mate. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. <laughs> That's what happens. That's what happens if you go out fishing for compliments, Kavanaugh. <laughs> Girlfriend, are you telling me that there's a gay voice? Because that's really homophobic. Do you think we both have gay voices, Clive? I think. We oh, I think I've got a gay voice. I mean, in my younger days, when I was um, when I was younger, yeah, I yeah. didn't have this sort of rumble that comes with being older and and fatter. Yeah. Um, I was mistaken for a woman a couple of times on the phone when oh I was God. at work. <laughs> <laughs> you were misgendered, Clive, before misgendering was even a thing. <laughs> and apparently, apparently, there is some evidence to show that lesbians do have a lesbian voice. There's is somebody, there? yes, someone posted in the comments to that thread um, uh, some research oh. showing that lesbians tend to have a deeper tone. They tend to have less pitch variation than other women. Um, they don't sound like straight men in the in the way that you know. And gay men don't sound like women, but their speech patterns are very uh, similar to, or, or very different from heterosexual men and heterosexual women, which is very interesting. It's fascinating because I, I can't work it out. A couple of again just bantering with these straight guys and they were saying to me do you think it's innate or do you think people learn it on the scene and i don't really know the answer to that but i did i did remark well i, I i've certainly known guys who like came from small towns and things like that and they'd never been on the scene in their life but they they you know their first day on the scene they would ha they would have a voice that recognizably you you would say oh i think that guy's probably gay so mm. i th i think there is on that basis, I think there is something innate to it, um, yeah. which is really interesting. It just begs begs the question, you know, why would that be the case? What is it? And um, there were quite, quite a few interesting responses to that. Well, my take on it was that um, maybe as gay men, we are, well, certainly, no, I can just speak for myself. When I was growing up, uh, the women in my family were much more interesting to listen to than the men in my family. So maybe yeah. through the course of listening to how they speak and picking up the rhythms of their speech, that transferred onto me, maybe. But also, mm. <laughs> again, speaking for myself, as a way of kind of subtly coming out when I was at school, when I was about 15, I tried to gay my voice up a little bit <laughs> by... Um, oh, really? Yes, by adopting some of the mannerisms of gay characters in sitcoms. But as it turned out, I didn't have to do much gaying up because it was already there. <laughs> <laughs> you're all, you're already obviously flaming. Everyone's like, Clive, you're overdoing it, love. We got the message. Oh, no. Oh, dear. No. That's interesting, though. I think there might be something in that. I mean, my, my speech pattern and my mother's speech pattern is is almost identical. Mm. And she's, she's a great sort of reader of books. Um, she's always reading. And... As, as I think I've said to you before, some of my earliest memories, because I love words, are asking her what words mean. And I think that if 
very similar to what you're saying. I think that as a child, I probably would have spent more time talking to my mother than to my father. Um, mm. part, you know, pr principle about words, meanings, you know, that sort of thing. But then I suppose, I don't know if that, that would work, because I suppose mothers who have caring responsibilities, particularly for younger children, the kids, which was the case in my family, the kids, all of the kids would spend more time with mum. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Well, I mean, I just remember some of my fondest memories of being a child are of um, being at home in the living room with my mum and her friends and they're all sitting around having a cup of tea and chatting away and um you know and their mum mum had this friend called Joyce <laughs> and she was always um I just remember her voice really clearly and she was talking about people in the neighborhood and, she, and then she said and then I said and then she said and then I said and um that sort of way of talking really seeped into my brain. And then also, my mum was effectively in charge of the television. So whatever she wanted to watch is what we watched. So right. I was brought up on um, a house party. You might be too young to remember that. But that was, um, it was, it was the, the format was kind of like a chat show with uh, four women would get together in a, you know, a, a, a setup of a kitchen or a living room or something. And they'd uh, do cooking and sewing and knitting and things like that. And then they'd discuss things. And um, so I grew up on that and uh, mm. soap operas, Crossroads, Coronation Street, all that sort of stuff. Coronation Street is particularly like woman centric uh, soap opera. So I think all of that plays into it. And then when I went out into the gay community, um, yeah, you do hear gay men talking with these same cadences, and I think you do end up adopting some of them. So um, mm. I think, Interesting. That, like all things, there may be a, a, a bit of innateness to it. There may be a bit of social, social influence to it. One of the things I really love on the gay scene is that you could, you have you know looks are looks are always deceptive it's like it, w one of my friends i won't name him but one of my friends is a, is a real tough nut leather mm. queen and you know he looks like he could knock the crap out of you but when he speaks he's got the campus voice on the planet and uh, and he's very quick to laughter and very amusing and and he's not in any way bothered about his, his voice at all he's very confident in mm. himself and i love i i've always really liked that about the gay scene that you could have you know these great big butch looking leather queens and then mm -hmm. suddenly they're like oh hello darling and you, <laughs> i like that and then and you get the reverse as well you get guys who look you know like they should they should have that voice and they don't um, i have two two abiding memories um when i was first out on the scene i was in heaven and yeah. um the club not you know yeah not the state of paradise <laughs> and uh this bloke walked in to uh the bar that i was in there's several bars in heaven or there were mm. and um he was like leather jacket leather trousers studded wristbands one of those master yeah, caps yeah, yeah. yeah and then he saw a friend of his and he went "Ooh, jerry like this. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one is uh we went to a karaoke um night at uh, the king's arms in london this is years later yeah. um which is like a bear bar you know so there's lots of big beefy yeah, boats yeah, yeah. and you know check shirts work boots and what have you and yeah. um, one of them got up on stage to do his number and it was this is my moment by martin <laughs> mccutcheon <laughs> 
This is my moment. This is I my love perfect. It. I love it. <laughs> And yeah, I love that sort of thing. Oh, they were simpler days, weren't they, when things were actually fun and we didn't have to spend all our time fighting this nonsense. And um, talking about fighting nonsense and having half an eye on the time, could I perhaps introduce our football story, Clive? Because well, that is something yes, we need yes, to look do at. go ahead. And then yeah. we do need to talk about the pride column because I've said that in the introduction. So. Okay, cool. So... We, we've got a football fan here called Lindsay Smith. She's um, she's 34 years old. She's a lesbian. And she's committed the, the, the grievous crime um, of saying gender critical things on Twitter. Something bloody weird has gone on here. So the, the club in question is Newcastle United, which I'm told is owned by the state of Saudi Arabia. So that's a good start, isn't it? Um, they have produced a, a, a bizarre um, sort of investigation into her. It's like a dossier. Um, it, 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 uh, it's just crazy. It, 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 it's, it's like she describes it as it's being like the Stasi investigating her. And she's been banned is the outcome of this dossier from because she's a football fan she goes there it's important to her she's never been a problem in the in in the um stadium or anything of course but mm -hmm. she's now got a two-year ban from going into the club and this thing is just weird like they they followed her around they they worked out where she walks her dog they they sent the police around yeah, I know it's it's really creepy, Clive. They um, sent the police round to her door, and the police sort of turned up and went, "Oh, um, we can't really nick you for anything," which they can't because it's called freedom of speech, officers. Mm. But this, uh, the real story here is this weird dossier. It goes through her whole life. Um, oh she says, God. speaking to the Telegraph, I'm struggling to believe that this has happened to me. It's mind blowing that they've gone to such lengths because I've expressed views to which I'm entitled on my own Twitter account. They behave like the Stasi. It was being done so covertly. I didn't even know it was happening, which is pretty frightening when you think about it, because mm. that means they have followed a woman round secretly walking. Oh, I mean, these guys are screwed in the head. And Who's been she's doing taking, she's, taking legal action against them. That's the club. It's Newcastle United who have done this. I so, oh, sorry, is that correct? Or is it the Premier League? No, it's the Premier League. It's the right. it was a report compiled by the Premier League. What on earth do they think they're playing at? She's a she's a fan. She's not involved. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. She's not she's not a player. She's not a manager. She's not involved in Newcastle United other than going along and watching their matches. That's it. Yeah, that's right. She's got the free speech union involved in this um brilliantly because uh, they've got a really good track record certainly better than the good law project of winning cases so they're they're going to be doing something about this so if you're interested in helping lindsay just have a look at the um free speech union i think toby young's done a video about this but go to their webpage. lindsay is also on twitter um and i'll just see if i can find her handle i might not be able to because you know how rubbish 
Aha, uh-huh. no, I have found it. If you would like to follow Lindsay, um, which I think we should, she is at right, R-I-G-H-T, and then N-U-F-C, so Newcastle United Football Club. So it's that important to her. It's a Twitter handle, for goodness sake. Mm. Loves everything you, Newcastle United. Yeah, this is her life, isn't it? She loves this club. Mm. Um, so please, if you can, please do follow Lindsay. Please do have a look at the free speech union stuff. And then please do be amazed that this club is owned by Saudi Arabia and is harassing a lesbian. I mean, I doubt the orders came directly from Riyadh somehow, but it's, it's, it's not a good look, is it? No, it's not. And I suspect that this is the result of some vexatious complaint by yeah. uh, one of the other side against her being brought to the attention of the Premier League and them conducting this extrajudicial investigation of her. And it was by their unit that looks into racism, Clive, because, you know, obviously that could be a problem on football stands, but mm. they, they sort of they ditched the racism that day. So instead of going after racists, they're going after a lesbian. What a surprise. It's so Isn't it weird how lesbians keep getting targeted? It must be a coincidence, much like our Glasgow Library this week with its comic book telling us oh, that, yes. that lesbians um, are just f- irrationally fearful of penises, and that's mm. unreasonable, apparently. Mm. They're just mm. funny because I thought... I thought thought it was a protected characteristic to be a same-sex attracted female but according to this comic book in glasgow actually it's just irrational penis hating these mm. oh my god clive you know i mean between that and then following Lindsay while she's walking her bloody dog what on earth is going on well um, i believe that newcastle united fans describe themselves as the toonami and oh, it, really? And yeah. it sounds like they're more like the Troon army. Oh, I knew you were going there. <laughs> yes. Very good. Well, it's there. It's there. You've got to. Yeah, um, yes, this Glasgow thing, Glasgow Women's Library, wasn't it? That um, so. yeah. put on the display of trans zines. So comics yeah. and magazines created by trans people. Yeah. And uh, one of them was this lesbians. It was entitled Lesbians Are Dying Out. And in yeah. one of the frames of the comic was um, a woman with a T-shirt saying something like, um, let women speak or something like that, uh, yeah. being bombarded with eggplants, which, as everyone knows, is the emoji meaning a dick. Yeah. And her being fri- fearful of these penises. And it's yeah. just, it's the 1970s all over again. It's the homophobia of the 70s revived by a bunch of men in dresses who, let's face it, just want to get into lesbians' knickers. Do you know, the worst thing is, though, I am told, although I don't know if this is accurate, that that comic was certainly drawn by a woman, and I am told it is a woman who describes herself as a butch lesbian, but I have seen other people say that's that's not correct. But it's, Mm. you know... It's a bit like you know Nancy Kelly calling lesbian sexual racist, and I'll, I'll never understand um, yeah. that, and yeah. I, I don't understand this. But you know, surprise, surprise! Another process is the punishment secret investigation kangaroo court directed towards a lesbian, which we discuss in a show, which coincidentally features exactly the same with Joe Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. Plus ça change, plus c'est la même chose. Quite. And well, talk, talking of misguided, <laughs> yeah. 
Against this background of lesbians being harassed by the Premier League for um, having an idea that they don't like or that they've been told they shouldn't like, uh, we have the Pride column at London Bridge Station. Yeah, Lon we can finally use London Bridge Station now, Clive. Safely, yes. Yeah. Uh, London Bridge Station is a major uh, railway station in London. It uh, it uh, serves the southeast, I think. Yeah, southeast Kent and mm. um, Sussex as well. Yeah, I used to go there regularly when I worked in Lewisham, so I know it very well. Um, yeah. And they've got, you know, these columns holding up yeah. bits of the station. And one of them has been designated the Pride Column, and it has a whole series of flags pasted onto it, including the original rainbow flag, the so-called Progress Pride flag, and then lots of other flags for such, uh, you know, persecuted minorities as demisexuals. And the driving yeah. force behind this is some guy called Shane Andrews, who's, uh, from what I can tell, a little short tubby gay man with ginger hair who thought this would be a good idea to signal London Bridge's uh, station staff's commitment to the safety of LGBTQIA customers. I'm so bored of this. Yeah. Mm, mm. I'm bored of it too. Yeah. But the reaction to it has been weird. It's like yeah, this. Is, I mean, this is corporate. Uh, I rolled my eyes at it. You did, and became a meme in yeah. the process. I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to get that out there, Clive, in case anyone hadn't seen that. <laughs> yes, Dennis's eye roll that he posted on Twitter has become a meme, and his uh, eye roll has been pasted onto pictures of Eddie Izzard and. Um, that, who's that? Yasmin Benoit, the asexual yeah. model who's campaigning for asexual rights, whatever they are. Um, she doesn't look very asexual in those pictures to me. But well, she'd probably say, I can dress sexy, but that doesn't mean I'm sexual. Um, fair mm. enough. Um, I see. But they, it's also been weird from our side, because what happened was, in a very TRA kind of move, somebody engaged in tweet archaeology and brought, brought up tweets from 13 years ago, when this uh, bloke would have been 23, uh, talking about lesbians and trans people and so on in a less than flattering way. Always a tweet. There's always always a, tweet. a tweet. Although, to be fair, he bought this on himself because I think it was Sunday. He had no idea who he was messing with here. On Sunday, he was like, I don't engage with TERFs. You you know, you're all horrible TERFs. You know, he was quite obnoxious. And if you're going to say that to a very online debate such as gender, you better damn well have a clean Twitter history, mm. which, um, you know, I mean, I, I, think that, I think his Twitter history is that of a pretty inadequate person who says stupid, bloody things. Well, I don't... I don't I don't think he, people no. have been saying, oh, he's a paedophile and he shouldn't be in the Scouts. And yes, yes. Cause, yes. Oh, yes. Good. That's because yeah. he was a Boy Scout leader at some point. And, you know, people have been talking about him as if he's a safeguarding red flag because mm. he posted that he fancied the 17-year-old, so over the age of consent, Tom Daly. Um, yeah. And, and he'd spoke about, oh, there was a beautiful boy on the train. Uh, this afternoon, I wanted to take a picture of him. Well, 
Dennis, you and I both know that boy is a flexible term and doesn't always refer to an underage person. Yeah, I think I think this is a case of uh, someone who is stupid, not, and I think he's really stupid. Not, not, you know, I don't, I don't think he's Myra Hindley. Um, but you know, <laughs> if you're going, to, if you are going to open that door, mate, this is what happens. It is, is what happens, happens. But I also think it's grossly unfair because yeah. they are targeting tweets where he displays um, just basic young gay man behavior you know it's so funny though that whenever you get an instance like this you can guarantee that if you search for the t-word that rhymes with granny you will find it with all these guys who who post about oh you bloody bloody turfs this and turfs that it's like they all there is always a tweet but this but this kind of behavior i think is uh, there's a more serious point I want to make, which is that you cannot compare the person that you are at 23 with the person that you are even a decade later. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, you'd be a teenager, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, we know that that men particularly mature less... Uh, swiftly than women and they're still operating on an adolescent brain at age 23, 24 Um, I think it's really unfair, I think it's a TRA move then to start labelling him as some kind of danger some kind of pedo because he fancied a younger man when he was basically just six years older than this younger man you know, it's like just get stuffed and, you know, people have been losing their damn minds talking about him being a safeguarding red flag. I wouldn't want him near my children. I mean, one of the people that he said was a beautiful boy was a, tra- a train conductor. They're not employing nine-year-olds as train conductors, right? Mm. And there, mm. was, there, yeah, was, there was something very, uh, not so subtly, actually, homophobic about that. And as much as I think he's a dickhead, as much as I think the pride column is ridiculous, some people have really lost their shit over this in a way that is very, very unpleasant and unhelpful. And, you know, how how is anyone supposed to actually try and reach out to this person and maybe change his mind? Yeah. Um yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think I think he's just a trivial character in the gender wars. You know, he's some sort of stonewall apparatchik who's doing, you know, exactly as he's told. And he's, he's not really capable of original thought. And his Twitter feed is that of an inadequate man. So there's, you know get these things in in perspective um I, there are bigger villains of the piece here than him um it is mm. the forces of you know dei is it called whatever it's called um there are forces there that that create these sorts of situations mm. um tell you what though i bet he's going to be a bit more careful what he tweets now <laughs> i'm sure he will be i'm sure he will be i think actually lesson learned <laughs> i think actually he deleted his his twitter account so well I'm done not surprised not well, I I just though. think that this is just typical TRA behaviour. It really is, mm. and and it's not. It's it ill behoves our side to use the same tactics. 
no matter how much of a dickhead someone is. So I think we are done pretty much, Dennis. Uh, we've discussed okay. all the things we wanted to discuss. Um, good, good. This will come out later today. And uh, it Excellent. will be also appearing on YouTube now because uh, YouTube enable us to um, feed the... People don't really want to know all the technical ins and outs, but basically the podcast feed now also uploads this to YouTube in the form of mainly audio with a fixed image. So, um, yeah, look forward to it appearing on YouTube as well because I thought we should get all those 3,000 subscribers who haven't subscribed to Substack to uh, share their wealth with them. Good idea. Yes. Good idea. Okay, so um, look out for our Brianna Jai uh, uh, special coming sometime soon. I need to discuss dates with Mr. Dennis because he actually has a job and I don't. And um, <laughs> keep sharing, keep subscribing. Uh, thank you very much for everyone who subscribe, subscribed so far. Thank you particularly to my paid subscribers who help us uh, produce this podcast. And um, yeah, that's it for today. So have a good weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.